Welcome to the Jane Bond Show, from execution to excellence. And I am your host, Jane Bond, the serial entrepreneur who will be sharing with you valuable life lessons and interviewing influencers from around the country who have broken through to success, along with giving you advice on navigating through the game. Today, our topic is Diamond in the Rough. Our special guest speaks with us about his rough upbringing riddled with abuse and neglect. He also touches on his mother acknowledging the fact that he was faced with serious issues and took the initiative and bust him out of the hood to a different environment and school. His entrepreneurial journey began at 17 when he ran Google ads to sell financial literacy products. After being left to fend for himself at 19, he was able to graduate from USC with a degree in finance and start his own marketing company, Diamond Cut Media. Without any further ado, I would like to introduce you to David Diamond. Hey, David. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic tonight. Listen, I just want to thank you for coming on from execution to excellence. I'm so honored to have you here. And, you know, I just want to dive right in. I have a lot of questions to ask you. All right. (laughs) All right? I'm honored to be here. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying yes. David, I know you have, um, you grew up in San Diego, You know, it's funny, I just, my last interview, the gentleman that was on, Aaron Seawood, which is my brother, Mr. Seawood, he was from San Diego, actually. So interesting. Yeah, interesting. And we talked about, um, San Diego is really beautiful, you know. Um, So tell me a little bit about you growing up in San Diego. Well, um, what originally happened is my dad was in the military, uh, in the Navy, so... um, I actually, my first memories are actually in Connecticut. And, um, yeah, and I got to San Diego uh, around eight, around eight years old, something like that. And um, I've been here ever since. And um, I remember the first first thing I remember seeing here uh, was a palm tree. It's actually the first thing I I remember. And I I remember as a kid thinking, like, what is that? Right. I've never seen a palm tree before. So, um, but yeah, and it was, I mean, it was, it was, it, it, San Diego was a beautiful place. Um, but, you know, at the time, uh, it was, it was a real adjustment for me. Um, right. You know, How uh, so? um, well, my background is kind of riddled with um, abuse, really. So my, my dad was verbally and physically abusive, mostly physically abusive to my mom. Um, so when we got to San Diego, um, you know, uh, it really resulted in a divorce. So um, it was kind of rough when we got here. Um, you know, we didn't have any money um, for a while. And uh, it, was just, it was just real interesting, the adjustment. It was kind of like a culture shock, actually. And... Um, Completely different, just com- completely different uh, area, um, and just a completely different environment. Like it was like uh, an opposite. So coming from uh, Connecticut. Yeah, coming from Connecticut, it was completely the opposite 
Interesting. Of, uh, of, how, oh, yeah. How so? Um, the neighborhood, um, because I was in, when I was in Connecticut, there's military housing in uh, Fairfield, Connecticut. So it was a whole different world. When I, when I came to San Diego, I lived in an area called La Presa. And, um, you know, more so, it, it, it basically it wasn't as astute as a, as, as a neighborhood, uh, just different people, different ethnic groups. When I was in uh, Connecticut, it was actually mostly Caucasian. Um, when, when we got here, San Diego was more um, what they call uh, people of color or whatever, um, and, 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 and Caucasian too. But the funny thing is, as I grew up, the Caucasians kind of moved out. Um, so it was kind of I actually got to <laughs> witness the, um, kind of like uh, what they call white flight growing up. Oh, so kind of, kind of out of uh, San Diego. <laughs> yeah, just when I got here, it, 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 you know, things were, they were different and they changed as I was growing. So it was real interesting. I got to meet a lot of different people. I had a lot of unique struggles just with dealing with uh, the divorce and, you know, just the, just divorce, poverty, just, you know, things that pop up. But ultimately, uh, it made me into, uh, you know, the person I am. So I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want to change it at all. Well, you know, sometimes as we're growing up, the challenges we face usually make us stronger. You know, they say, you know what they say, if it don't kill you, it makes you stronger. But, you know, as a young man, you know, young black man growing up, um, we, we pretty much understand struggle you know, in our culture altogether. So we usually fight. You know, we right. don't flight. We usually fight to get through it. So, you know, I, I definitely understand that. You know, it's interesting because I spent some time in San Diego. I don't know around what time frame you were there, but I did spend about a year going back and forth to San Diego and being in California. Um, and it was around the USC area, actually. I was in Torrey Pines, and I was in Del Mar, and I was an interior designer at the time um, when I was in yeah, San Diego. Uh, and it was yeah. really beautiful. I, all I beautiful. knew was it was beautiful. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it it's a little different for me. But, um, yeah, that's interesting to know because the young man, you know, that I interviewed prior to you shared somewhat of the same thing you're telling me. Mm -hmm. And he shared with me that there were gangs there. I mean, who would ever think there were gangs in San Diego? You know, because San Diego, when you think of San Diego, me, myself, I think of Torrey Pines, Del Mar, Rancho Santa Fe, those areas. So I don't know um, of the areas you got you guys were talking about. But yeah, know, I find it very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he's talking about Southeast San Diego. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, there, there's always gangs and stuff. But the, the funny thing about it is now I think gangs have decreased um, overall, just in general, and San Diego is definitely part of that. And San Diego, while it is it has its issues in that way, it's nowhere near as, uh, in my opinion, it's nowhere near as bad as uh, some of the areas like in, in Los Angeles where I also lived when I was going to school, because I went to school at the University of Southern California, and I didn't live on campus. I actually just lived in South Central, right. in the regular neighborhood. And so I was able to get that experience as well. And it, it was, that was a different experience as well, to be honest. 
So this, you know, I kind of have a wide range. I have, I think, I have a experience at every, at most positions that somebody would think of in their life, um, or, or the same, or most different types of circles. So poor, middle class, uh, working class, um, well-to-do. Um, I kind of have experiences in in all these different parts of life, which I think is pretty unique. I think people generally are tied to one, and I'm kind of tied to many. And um, I'm sure I'll be uh, tied to a lot of different groups throughout my life. So, well, that's a that's a good thing because it's nothing like being a chameleon in different um, stages of your life to get through life and being around you know certain people of different statutes i mean statutes i mean it's important to be able to navigate through life that way and um because it makes you more of a well-rounded person also and um being around people from all walks of life you know different ethnic groups it allows you to open your eyes a little bit differently to different cultures and when you absorb that, it changes you. It's an education that could take you far or leave you there, you know. And in your case, it looks like it has taken you pretty far. So tell me about growing up as a teenager. You said you got to San Diego when you were eight years old. You suffered some, you know, abuse and coming from a broken family. Let's, let's move on from there and tell me, as you know, what was it like for you to be a teenager there? Well, where did you go from there? Good question. So, and just to touch on the previous two, my mom, when she caught on to the issues I was having in the neighborhood that I was in with the fighting and whatnot, she would bust me out to different uh, areas. Um, so I had, I had this really, like, uh, like we were saying earlier, just unique experience. So, and even still, even as a teenager in high school, um, I went to uh, a different school than necessarily my district. It was kind of like borderline, but my mom put me in what she thought was best. Um, so um, that was uh, another unique experience. Um, at, at this time, you know, I had, um, you know, a, a stepfather in my life, um, really tumultuous relationship, um, more abuse. Uh, different stuff like that. So the teenage experience was, it was, I had a lot of good times and I had a lot of challenges as well. It didn't really stop. The challenges are continuous in, in, in my life. Um, so it was just different things I had to deal with. So I lived at, um, I lived at uh, home with my parents and then I also lived with uh, my godfather for a while. And, um, I think that was a good experience too, and that was in an area called Skyline, uh, okay. here in in San Diego, which is also in Southeast San Diego. Um, but um, and I went back, and I was about, I went back probably I don't know seventeen, eighteen maybe, to uh, to my uh, to my mom's and and whatnot, and by nineteen I was out. Um, in my own apartment, and I had <clears throat> I just kind of picked it up from there. Um, I got an apartment, okay. and I started working. This is the thing. 
So when you're out here with, I, I graduated from high school, but no, you know, no real substantial education yet. Um, really, nothing under my belt. Anytime I would go anywhere for a job, if it wasn't sales, <laughs> I wasn't getting it. I tried, okay. it wasn't happening. So the only jobs I could ever get was sales. They would basically just throw me a phone or tell me to go door to door. I mean, sales is a good job. I mean, if you're good at it, the sky's the limit. Well, it's going to it culminates into everything. So that's the oh, cool definitely. thing about it. Yeah. Yeah, so basically I did sales, uh, anything related to sales, marketing, talking to people on the phone. I did that most of my life. And it's funny because I took a little uh, odd little side job um, after college just to make like a couple bucks and then, and then walk away. Just like, you know, this guy gets like temporary. And, right. um, and uh, one of, somebody who knew me from back in the day when I was a teenager on the phone, I, I, he said something real, real cool when we, were, when we were in the office. They said, uh, he said, what? He, somebody had said something. He said, what? David was raised on the phone. <laughs> okay, so well, you must have been damn good. <laughs> I, I, the funny thing about that, that statement is this. I think during that time, all that time, I, was, I learned to be good, but I was never great. I really never was. I'm not a natural um, salesperson. I'm really not. Okay. What happened was, though, and I'm sure we'll get into this later in the conversation, is when I went out on my own and you're forced to eat, Got it. Eat what you kill. <laughs> you already know what I'm going to say. <laughs> Absolutely. So did you have any siblings? Yes. Um, okay. So I have, I have two sisters with me now. Um, when I was um, doing a lot of testing um, to get into uh, USC and whatnot, I actually lost my sister, my uh, other sister. Um, in which, you know, we have the same uh, mother and father. So, um, I'm sorry you know, that was, that. yeah, uh, thank you. Um, that was devastating for me. Um, it's still always kind of devastating at different times. Um, and, um, I had to, the, 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 the thing about it was I was forced to push on, um, right. and, I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing, to be honest, because I kind of just kept working because I had this goal to escape. It was not – what happened was I, I caught wind of what you're supposed to do to get out in my, in, my, in my mind at the time, which was brought to me by somebody I was actually dating, taught me everything about the education system and top-tier universities okay. and how everything worked. And I was like, oh, that must be my way out. I'm taking this okay. super serious. <laughs> so I ended up so taking let's, it let's, let's digress here a little because I, I read that um, as far as you understanding that education was your way out. So I want to yeah. digress here. I, I know you lost your sister, and that was when you were in college, and you said you were forced to, you know, move on and just keep going, which I take my hat yeah. off to you because tragedy can, when it can, when it strikes, it can, one or two things. It could take you down a spiraling dark hole or 
you know, you can live with the pain, live with the tragedy, and keep working through it. You know, I mean, none of us are islands. I went through a tragedy, just two tragedies just recently, and um, I have to tell you, it's been a year, not quite a year for one, but a year for one, another one, and, and I, I've learned to live with the pain and turn it into the happiness of the memories. So I, I totally understand when tragedy strikes that it can, and it almost took me down a dark hole. And if I didn't have, you know, friends and, and family to talk to me, I think I probably lost it somewhat. But let's move on from me. I wanted to digress and go back to when you were 17 years old. Um, I read that you were out there, you know, knocking on doors and pitching financial literacy products. And yes. my question to you is, where did you get the knowledge, you know, and the confidence to go out there to pitch financial literacy products at 17? The funny thing about that, so what I was actually doing, I was at that point I wasn't knocking. That was soon. Well, I probably still was at some <laughs> at some place. But oh, I know I was, about knocking on doors. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but on on that one, I was actually running Google ads. I was running Google ads at 17. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, oh, that's right. Uh, you were running Google ads for that. Okay. Yeah. I was running Google ads and uh, picking up the phone and trying to <laughs> – and, um, you know, I was always – so I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, period, because I felt like – I don't know. I just had an innate feeling that that was going to be my way. Um, and I would read – books like business books and stuff um well beyond where i was where i was even placed in my life but i wanted to know it's like i almost wanted to know everything um so um and you know i had other people i had somebody older to kind of uh help me out um and kind of you know kind of a guidance guidance in a sense but really you know, yeah, I was just, I don't know what gave me the confidence. I kind of felt like, um, to be honest, I felt like I always, I didn't feel, I didn't feel like I was ever going to not be successful, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't know okay. how I heard well, I don't know. There again, I, get it. I don't I get it. Yeah, I feel. Big, you, you can do anything you want. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I could do anything I want. In my, in the back of my head, I used to call myself the golden child. Um, okay. So this. This is how I felt growing up, so I never felt like um, I couldn't, you know, do the stuff I was doing. I just, I felt like it was part of who I was as a person. So, um, and still do. So it's funny how it worked out that way, even with all the problems and drama. Right, the challenges you had with abuse. And, yeah, I get it. I think that's commendable of you. Yeah. So I just... um, yeah, I don't I don't know where the confidence came from, but it's just something that I felt maybe into to be to do a deeper analysis. I felt like I probably felt like um I had something to prove. Um I think I think a lot of I think a lot of entrepreneurs this is why I wanted to touch on some of these topics, which I really haven't done uh in the public at all. Um but I think that entrepreneurs a lot of us, it's not really the financial aspect that drives us. It's something, something is deeper, right? Oh, um, absolutely. And so it's really these things, these experiences that really 
culminated into making for, forming the person, forming that the entrepreneur, and give give giving like you say like you like like you say the why right? Your why is always a lot deeper and has a lot of layers to it, and people may have a lot of opinions about that why, and it's going to be controversial. Um, but that's what makes you into the complete person that you become. So that's why I kind of wanted to, you know, touch on that a little bit. But you know what, David? I find that it doesn't matter what type of financial background you come from. Right. I mean, you might be privileged, but you still can lose yourself and not find out the why that you need to be successful. And just because you have money, it doesn't make you successful. That means you right. just have money and you have privilege. So that's something completely different. So, but when you dig deep, like you say, and you peel those layers back, because, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of successful people, they've gone through hell and some haven't. But that's a, that line, you know, that, that, that's few and far in between because there has to be something in you to feel your fire. Right. And that's the only way you're going to work through this to get to that success. And it could be... Right you know, repetitiveness, whatever it is. It could be, you know, the, the competition. It just depends on what fuels your fire. Yeah. And sometimes and it's not always good, you know. No. I mean, I can think back. I've had a few brushes with death, okay, guns to my face um, that I was able to defend myself from. But that also gives some context because oh, – absolutely. <laughs> It's almost like it's almost like getting up in the morning and um, taking care of business and fielding calls and, and negotiating and all that kind of stuff. That's like the that's like the lightweight thing after stuff like that. So it, it, I have a a really blended mixed perspective. I almost had my life taken from me on more than one occasion, two from gun violence. So I'm just eh, you know it's it's hard to really shake me up in that way it was just like you know the challenge of going through growing as a business person i mean <laughs> i mean it's like well you're alive right <laughs> oh yeah so, that'll make you shift that's where this is a good this is a good segue to my next question so <laughs> you know without without looking back on that too much what made you shift you know, and thinking about going to school, you you talked about you know your your thought process um, with going to a top tier college or university being your way out. Where does that shift come into place? Because really, sometimes this process can backfire. I mean, you can go to college and nothing happens after that. You just have yeah. a degree, and now you're doing something else. So what, what was the shift for you? Where did you pivot? Good, good question. Um, what happened was it was somebody who was more knowledgeable than me. Um, uh, I'll say her name. Her name was Carissa. And um, okay. she had gone from really remedial school to Berkeley to UCLA Law now. Um, okay. And she kind of showed me the ropes, like, hey, this is what you do. This is how this works. This is how that works. I'm like, ah. I was like, okay. And so what happened was I watched these two documentaries. This is, this is a good question. You got me on this one. Uh, <laughs> okay. You, 
<laughs> I watch I watch these two documentaries and I'm looking at them right now. Um, one was Untold Wealth. It was a CNBC documentary. Um, was, the name of it was Untold Wealth, and then like the subtitle was like the lives of the super rich or something like that. The other one was called um, Harvard Business School, and I actually think I watched the Harvard Business School one first. And these are two CNBC documentaries, and I saw what it did. What it did is it exposed me to um, a type of life that I had never seen before, right? I didn't even know the school I ended up going to, I didn't even know what it was. Uh, only school I knew was San Diego State. Um, and, you know, it just exposed me to a different side of life. And I was like, I want to do that stuff. You know what I mean? I was like, what is that? That's what I want to do. So I kind of switched my way of thinking. Um, okay. And I was actually um, I was actually a musician. I still am. You never stop. But I was like a musician um, that was like uh, an occupation for me. So I actually did that too. Um, and I was working. I was actually working on some larger stuff. Computer exploded, um, and I felt like it actually exploded twice. Like <laughs> my computer blew out twice. And I felt like, you know what, I'm going to take this other route because I felt at the time I was like, well, this is more uh, grown up or whatever in my head. I actually have a different, I have a, I have, I have a different perspective now than I did then. Um, but I knew that, and this, was fun, this is funny, just to touch on this real quick, I remember getting my first contract um, for records and whatnot. And I remember how... Is there's always a challenge to your ownership, right? There's always a challenge to how much you own, right? And oh, definitely. In the I, music industry, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and I and I had to make I had to make a choice. I was like, okay, do I care more about owning what I operate, or do I care more about just being an artist, just being you know just just making records. Um, and I, and I just made me, I wasn't a rapper or singer. I just made music. Right. And so, um, I felt like ownership was more important. I had to make a choice. And so I, I started to go more toward the business route because of that. This is real interesting because when I, when I felt like I couldn't own things, it would make me feel boxed in like powerless. Um, and I, I felt like I'd rather out of control. Yeah, out of control, and I felt like I'd rather control my own, in controlling my own destiny and expressing myself artistically in those ways, I could, you know, get, kind of get the best of both worlds because I still express myself artistically every day. My, almost, oh, everything I, almost everything I do is art-based, and uh, if, if we really think about the main drivers behind everything, it's art, video, uh, you know, the visual. That's what brings everybody in to the financial stuff or the marketing or whatever, which is marketing is also art. But that's, it's, it's very artistically driven. And so I felt like if I do business, maybe I could have the best of both. And I also have other passions within business. So I was just like, okay, I want to do that. Yeah, you touched on something interesting there because it is true, you know, within the platforms of social media, it's what, 
feeds the eyes. It's what gives people energy. That's why they land on certain pages and they stay there for a while. And I think being an entrepreneur today, you have to have a creative side no matter what and the business side. You can always hire the people you need, your team, to keep you moving forward. But, you know, being that nucleus of the team, you definitely have to have some creativity because that's what gets you there in the beginning. Yeah. Before you even get the team. And it's like being a wheel that spokes. Right. You know, and I, myself, I'm a creative and a business person. And, you know, sometimes you get off balance with both because I love the creative side more. But I know when it comes to business, I have to put the hammer down. (laughs) because that's the only way I make my money. So I I definitely understand that. So I wanted to ask you, I know, like I said, I know you um, suffered a great loss while in school but was able to get through it. Where did the strength come from to forge on? I think that actually I tend to, because I've dealt with a lot of, to be frank, I've dealt with a lot of trauma. Um, I think I was my my mind almost had been uh, almost like trained for a certain level of it, um, but I mean that is that's not the whole thing. I think that a lot of it came from me wanting to block it out. Okay. To block it out. So and in in a lot of people, you know, you can observe this in relationships, right? Like something will go wrong in a relationship and that person will um, become a workaholic, you know, to try right. to uh, block it out. That's what I really did. I tried to ignore it. I tried to get away because I didn't want to confront something like that. And um, that was my main driver, to, to block it out. Um, I can remember just leaving, just leaving and just visiting colleges and just, I just just leaving and then just staying away and just never really confronting that in that way. So it was really it was really me trying to work work my way out because I had such a drive to escape the situation that I was in that I just I was like I'll just put all my energy there and try to block things out. And so um, you, I don't know. So, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't know if that's the best way to deal with things, um, but, you know, they say everything, everybody deals with things differently or at different times, but um, that's really the root of what, what, uh, what I was really doing, in my opinion. When you say you were trying to escape, were you trying to escape your situation, where, your situation of, of, I'm sorry? Poverty. Um, I okay. was living in, that's what, that's I was where living. I was going. That's yeah, I was, I, was li- I was living in an so apartment, were, yeah. and I was always late. The lights would turn off. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would just be really late. And um, I remember one time, me and my girlfriend at the time, the one I, I mentioned earlier, we were there, lights went off. Oh, um, so you were really trying to escape poverty. You said, I need to get up out of here. And yeah, I was like... <laughs> The cool thing about yeah, I can understand that because you know you have to push forward no matter what to to make ends meet to you know survive and have a better life for yourself. So that's where the strength came from, and you was like you know I can't have this take me down. 
So, you know, I take my hat off to you for that because it's not easy out here. You know, a lot of young people, they think it's very easy out here. Things are, you know, my mom used to say to me, you can't live nowhere free. <laughs> so you got to figure this out. So, right. you know. And you graduated from USC with a finance degree through all of this. Fantastic. So Thank tell you. us about, you know, after graduating from USC, you went into the corporate world. Tell me a little bit about that because you, I remember reading where you said you felt like um, there was microaggressions going on and you felt it was riddled with racism. Yes, it was. Um, to be frank, yeah, um, it was riddled but with all racism. Of this, all of this going on at the same time, you're breaking through to success through execution. So listen, you were doing something right. Yeah, no, what, I mean, I had a goal. See, even when I was working, I wouldn't just work to work. I'd work to, to again, escape. I see, right. I see each step as like a particular uh, step, right? I see it like as a place where you need to sacrifice to do something else. So I would try everything to get out. <laughs> I, would, I would save up money and try to flip it in the, uh, the financial markets, and sometimes I was successful with that. Um, I, would, I would just do anything I could to try to get to being an entrepreneur, but I, w- I would not step out on a limb and, with, with zero and just be like, hey, I'm just going to start something. I didn't do that till later. And honestly, it's kind of a gift and a curse because the racism and microaggressions every other day and all that kind of stuff and all the stuff I had to see and, 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 and feel and, and deal with. I mean, that happens to a lot of people, uh, a lot of black people. Um, it's not new. Uh, but the thing about it is I, I didn't want to um, – I felt like this. Also, I'll be very, very, very frank here. I felt like for me to continue in that lifestyle – they they'd have to kill me like there's no other there's no way that I was going to continue even if they paid me a lot of I remember I remember I was at, I was at a family get together and I was talking to my uncles I said they couldn't pay me anything to continue to deal in that way to continue because it was starting to really grind me away as a person and I they couldn't pay me five hundred thousand dollars a year they couldn't pay me a million dollars a year I wouldn't do it interesting I would turn it down. There's no way I would take the money. I have to build my own stuff by any means necessary. So it got to a point where um, I didn't care anymore about what, what, what was a good time. This is kind of where it was the gift, right, because I no longer cared about, oh, let's save up this amount and then try it then. Or you know how people will put things off. I no longer cared. I actually stepped out with uh, debt and <laughs> no money and no know-how. Um, so what was that, that like, leaving the corporate world? Did you feel liberated, or was there yes. you know, a case of fear in, or fearlessness? I had no fear at all because I knew it was but on the other side. The other, the other side was dealing with things that I hate and dealing with situations I cannot take. So I knew it was there. I tried it out, and I said, um, well, I was excited. I was elated to have nothing and start something from nothing because the cool thing about being in 
this modern day is that you literally can make money with nothing. And I, I, I want to say that again. The funny thing is I, I help people get financing and stuff, but I'm, I'm, telling, I'm telling people honestly, you can today make money with nothing at all. Starting all, I had, all I had, here's what I did. All I had was I had my phone. I pay my phone bill. Um, and I had the years that I spent. This is, now, this is where it all comes to, it all comes together. Because those years I was forced to be on the phone. I was forced to only Absolutely. do marketing stuff. I was forced to go door to door and bother people who had, wanted nothing to do with me in areas and they couldn't believe I was there. Like, why are you even at my door? All those, right. all those situations culminated into what? That's all businesses. Businesses were almost like glorified telemarketers. That's really all it is. We're highly paid telemarketers for the most part, especially if you're doing service. But, David, don't so, you think that is what makes the entrepreneur? It's usually a yeah. culmination of everything that you've done that usually comes back in the 360 and you hit it on the head. Boom. Now you know exactly what to do because you went, mm-hmm. you've gone through the fire. And right. because you've gone through the fire, that's what makes you feel your fire. And you come out on the other side of this and you said, I'm badass. I can take on anything now. And that's yeah. where the fearlessness comes from. Oh, yeah. I had no fear. So what I would do, I get, I, this was before people think it was just, you know, um, you know, just all online. No, I didn't even know online was going to grow. And that's another thing I'll touch on. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that too. <laughs> yeah, well, well, it's all going to come together. So I had two fears. I had, before I even did this, I went to an isolation period of nine months. Right. Um, complete isolation. A lot of this now, this is hard for a lot of people. But I tend to, this is one thing I do like about myself. So I tend to, I can, I can get self-discipline and commit to something. And I said, I'm going come to go on into now. A, you better tell them about it. <laughs> I mean, commitment. That's right. Commitment. Tell them about it, David. Come on. And I went to a period of isolation. No sexual activity. I'm being very frank here. No sexual activity, okay. no nothing. And what it did, <laughs> you know, you take away everything, you put yourself in a position where you – I burnt all bridges. I made sure I can't go back. Um, and uh, put myself in a position where I had to come out. And I didn't want anything distracting me at all. I had to put something together. I didn't care what it was. I knew it, has, I knew it was going to be marketing-focused because I had a strength there because I'm an artist. So I just took, right. I took the tools that I knew I had at my disposal. One, I wasn't afraid to talk to people. That's all I ever did from, starting from a teenager, and I was forced to do that. So if somebody cussed me out and said, get off my phone, you, you, you this, this, and that, I would be like, okay, next call. So I knew I could do that, and I knew I was a, uh, I knew I knew what my gifts were, right? I knew I could put together uh, imagery and, and, and understand what people think in large numbers. I understood how people thought in large numbers and how to attract them in that way with the artistic prowess that I had. So if I knew I had that, those things, but I was afraid. There's two things I was afraid of. I was afraid to be out there on social media. Actually, I was, I was terrified. The other thing I was afraid of was uh, editing video, <laughs> the, two, the two cornerstones of, like, what, what I do now. So 
um, what I would do. Exactly, of what you birth now. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So I, I made an intentional effort to do exactly the things that I was afraid of. Well, well let me it, ask you this. So, Why were you afraid when you knew you had all these talents that you could bring forth to make you, you know, the success that you wanted to be, to understand that, you know, these talents and you, that little phone could take you there? Why were you so afraid? What, what was the fear there? Um, good question. Um, I'm, I, I, was, uh, I was always um, kind of a, 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 a more shy person. Like, I, I'm a very private person, a very private. I, I won't even say shy because that's, yeah, that could I, be I, I feel you, private. Yeah, it's more private. Even though I am slightly shy, but not really, it's more private. I like to, I'm introverted, basically. I'm introverted. Okay. I'm actually an introvert. Um, but just because I might have been born an introvert or got developed in that way to, from, somehow, doesn't mean that I can't forge something different because really a lot of the times being an introvert uh, is, based on, is based on fear when it's something that you only do. My, for instance, my base personality is still introverted. The difference is um, I can't let that stop things that I want to do. When something stops something that you want to do, it's actually like an addiction. And addiction will take you down. So you don't want to be addicted to any one type of way of thinking as an entrepreneur. I think you actually need to be more, a little bit more varied. Or if you can, you can encapsulate yourself in, in whatever you have if it's productive. For instance, if I wanted to remain intro- introverted, maybe I could do everything behind something online and just be like code things and so on and so forth. I might have been able to make some adjustment like that. But I decided in the modern day, what I, I, here's what I really thought about. I looked at who was winning, right? <laughs> I'm, like, okay. I'm like, I was like, who's really winning? It's usually the people who are, like, not afraid of this stuff. It's generally the case. And I have enough of a, a drive. And, I, and another thing is I always wanted to educate people, teach people, use, lend my life as a lesson so on and so forth. I always went to, I would always do that. When I was just out and about, if I heard somebody had an issue or I heard something that somebody wanted to do, I would try to help them get there naturally. I was naturally doing that. I would naturally consult people for no reason because it was a passion of mine. So I was like, okay, why don't I take that passion and then turn that into a business? And, it, and that business has no overhead. There's no overhead. Your overhead is your head. Your overhead is your right. brain and a phone bill. So what I would do, and I still know my script, I'll, I'll wake up in the morning, and this is before the following and all this stuff. I'll wake up in the morning, and there's local businesses around here, and call them. Hi, my name is David Diamond. I think I could bring a lot of people into your business. I really like what you're doing here. What time would be good to stop by for you, mornings or afternoon? You said you if have I got a bite, <laughs> if, I can, if I got a bite, I would say, great, you know, it's going to be a lot of information. I'm going to, I'm going to bring notepads and pens because I would go get notepads and pens from Walmart so I could bring it to them. <laughs> looks like, you know, more professional. Like, I got it going on. I got some notepads and pens for you. And that was probably my last $5. And uh, I would bring my little uh, 
bag with my computer in it and go there and try to sell them. And that's, that's what I did. I would just wake up and do that. I would try to book like three or four appointments and then go show up to them and try to make something. Well, you and I figured that that was question. better off. <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. I said, you just answered my next question. I was, uh, my question was, how did, uh, how did you offer financial products to help people build their business, businesses yeah. and restructure their credit and raise funds off of a brand that no one knew? <laughs> right. It was just calling. And, I, and, and the funny thing is this, too. This is, this is really interesting because I actually started out just selling marketing even though I did have a background in finance, like 10 years really, and, and business school. But I was actually offering marketing because um, I felt like something, it was something easy to understand. Look, I'm going to try to get people to do this. And I had, I had strength in that as well. And that's really what freed me was marketing. So I would offer that. Um, I didn't change until I thoroughly – tried just different, selling different marketing, uh, you know, courses, da, da, da. Here's what happened. I, I remember I, I, I let somebody advertise on my platform, which I hardly ever do. And it was like some credit ad. And, and keep this in mind, Jay, like all the while I have been advertising marketing stuff. And I would get calls and whatnot, even after the platform started growing. I would get calls and whatnot, and I would get some responses. But it wasn't like, this credit ad I put up. I put up this credit ad, and it was insane. I was like, everybody flocked to it. Like, I've been sitting here, you know, building all this stuff, and people are just like, eh, you know, okay, it's marketing. You know, people don't, people don't think that marketing frees you, but it actually does. Um, they, I put up that credit thing, and they just went insane. So I was like, okay. It's, it's what you call relevant information. <laughs> uh-huh. And, and, and uh-huh. They, and it was just an ad. Hey, credit this, credit that. We have this little thing, you know, opportunity, business opportunity or something. Took off. I said, you know what? As soon as I get done with this marketing stuff I was working on, I was like, I'm going to start transitioning to more of my financial background. Um, because here's the, whole, here's the whole thing. I always say your, your customer base or your audience or whatever they dictate what they want from you. Oh, you don't necessarily. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you don't you ask necessarily. You've got to know the pain point for them. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. They tell you everything. You don't necessarily get to tell people what you're going to sell them. They tell you. If you offer something and they don't want it, next product. I don't, right. care how much, I don't care how much mind, body, and soul you put into whatever you offered. If they don't want it, next product. And I have put my mind, body, and say, soul. I always say social media is the best focus group you could ever get. <laughs> oh, man. You'll find out what everybody wants immediately. Immediately. No, regardless of what they say. If they say, you know what, I really like more of the strategy stuff. Uh, and I post some strategy stuff that can change your life, and there's, you know, a couple of, a couple of responses on there, and then I post something that has no relevance to you that's some celebrity gossip, and you, and you flock to that. Don't tell me about what you want. I know what you want. Right. I can see right. it. <laughs> so I had to take the same stance as it relates to product, product selection, product procurement. 
I have to go what the audience says they want from me. And the funny thing is, to, to backtrack a little bit, the whole Instagram thing started, I started posting, you know, videos about myself, videos about other people, whatever. And I had not been editing videos about other, you know, other people or other um, film pieces I would find or whatever. I hadn't started doing that yet. So I was like, you know what? Let me start, like, making my own edits with stuff I find that, and stuff that I know about that's interesting. Okay. And let me, let, me put, let me put these out. I put this one out. It was called, and it was probably like, the, it, it wasn't even that. Well, let me ask you, was that the birth of Diamond Cut Media at that point? It was. Low-key low it was because I had already. David, I had already been, David Diamond? David Diamond is a cool name. <laughs> it is. Diamond so I actually. Media? <laughs> I play on I, words. I play on words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually had started it as David Diamond Media, and then I and then I switched it. I was like, now nah, I'm not just going to make it my name. I'll call it Diamond Cut Media, just in case I ever want to walk away, or I don't want to be. But do, you, but do you find that people relate to that because you know they think of diamond, they think of cut, they you know Diamond Cut Media immediately stuck with me. I was like, oh, okay, Diamond Cut Media, that's really cool. You can't forget it. I'm a marketer. What can I say? <laughs> I mean, it goes hand in hand. I'm going to tell you, I did a film festival, um, you know, not, not to change the subject, but real quick, I did a film festival in New York, and I called it, um, what did I call that film festival? Oh, God. Um, was it, I think it was Final, no, the Director's Cut. And mm-hmm. everyone came to it. It blew us out of the water when we released it. It's because people related to the director's cut. Because everything that yeah. would come on television, it's the director's cut. It's the director's cut. And it was just a, it was a marketing tool. You know, it was a marketing right. ploy, a twist on words. And we, it worked. So, you yeah. know, when I say the birth of Diamond Cut Media, trust me, Diamond Cut, that's all you think about. Especially women. Oh, it's my cut. It's the cut of the diamond. It's the beauty of the diamond. It's the way the diamond shines. And, you know, you can go on and on and on with that. Yeah, and what happened, so I put out this edit. This, this changed, honestly, this one video changed my life. So it was, it was a, a video about um, Michael V. Roberts, and he was talking about what he would do because, he, you know, he's known as being a billionaire, and somebody asked him, what would you do if, you lost everything. You have $5,000 and you had to rebuild it. I mean, think about because everybody secretly wants to ask things like that, right? Like, how, how did you do it? What would you do if you had to do everything over again? How, what are the steps? You see what I'm saying? If somebody always wants to ask somebody successful those questions, and I, the title of it was Black Billionaire um, says – I forgot the exact title, but it was like Black Billionaire says how he would uh, – what he would do is start to build it all over again. So I forgot what the title was. I don't know why. But, and I, my subtitle was, you know, man asked, you know, how he would rebuild if he had $5,000, da, 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 da. And I had the Rocky music behind it, like, right, right. Like, so it's like a comeback, right? And it's like, it, like, it just draws you in. It's like, oh, my God. You know, just, you know that Rocky music makes you feel. And this is, it, it, right. again, this is the art. Just having that understanding of how sound can 
create an emotion because that's what I did for a living. So just blending all that together so you have the story, you have the music playing in back. It just makes you feel a certain way. And it just took off. It was uh, uh, Black Wall Street, which is Frank at, at Black Wall Street. Right. And he posted it. And he, like, co-branded it because I was absolutely – my brand was – I had, like, 200 followers or something, right? So I kind of, like, like, nobody knew. So he, like, co-branded it, but he left my name. He left it, which I appreciate to this day, and I've talked to him personally about this. And Yeah, practical guy. Yeah. He didn't have to do that. He could have no. – nobody knew who I was or my brand or anything. So he could have easily just – taking it off and just like, but he allowed it to stay and he put my link in there, um, you know, my, my tag. In, in, insane after that. So that went crazy. That started going viral. What happened was this. It, it, gets, it, gets, <laughs> it gets more intense. So that video went everywhere, all kinds of major pages, and it actually ended up on Killer Mike's page, the rapper. Okay. And, I, I, and he probably doesn't even remember this, but this, like, completely impacted my life. Um, he posted that, and he ended up posting another video I did as well. Completely changing, it changed everything. And it didn't, it, didn't, it didn't start making me money yet. It wasn't about the money yet. It was about the growth itself because the money comes later. I still had Absolutely. to do. I still, had, I still had to wake up in the morning and, and do what I had to do. But it was the growth, and it just it just went insane. And it was almost like a reputation was developed for the type of stuff that I would put out and the way I would do it. And honestly, it just went from that point. It just kept going on, and it it, it opened so many doors and whatnot from that one moment, that one moment in time. And as I, I think about it. I think about it sometimes. I just think about it at random, um, and it's just, it's crazy. But um, <laughs> but well, you know what but, we say, David. We say success doesn't happen overnight, but it can come in one night. <laughs> yeah, it, it can. It can. But, in one night. but and the funny thing about that, it was okay. So it was that one moment, right? But it was like about I don't know how many years leading up to it. So one of that, so my first like little crack at entrepreneurship was 17, and I'm in my early 30s. So right. people should add that part up. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like. You're still a young man. You're in the, you do, you, still in the first quarter. I have been trying that whole time. Right. Yeah, I've been trying. That's what this show is about. This show is about from execution to excellence. And you just shared with us from the ripe age of eight to the age you are now in your 30s, trust me, you have been executing everything to get to this point. And it's a beautiful thing. And this has been an amazing conversation. And, that you know, to end it up with, you know, success doesn't come overnight, but it can happen to you in one night, you hit it right on the head. And, and I think it's a, it's, your story has been, you know, one unfolding layer after 
another. And it, it's a beautiful thing, you know. So, I mean, count yourself not only lucky, but intentional to make it happen. And then, you know, solving people's pain points with your marketing, with, with your, you know, your, your, your intelligence and artisticness enough that you can put things out there that people are flocking to see who you are, what you are, and what you're doing. You know, and you said one thing to me, you know, when we spoke earlier, not in this uh, segment, but when we had another conversation a few days ago, you said to me, you know, I'm not wealthy yet. <laughs> so, and uh, then you I'm said, quite well off. I'm not. <laughs> what did I say? No, quite well off, but you said I'm not. No, you said I'm not as wealthy as I'm going to be. You didn't say okay. that I'm not as wealthy as I could be. You said as I'm going to be. And I was like, well, you better talk about it because, you know, some people, they don't, they don't have that kind of confidence. You know, and you said that to me, and I was like, okay, you better talk, you better speak on it. So, you know, to wrap this up with you, because it has been a wonderful, wonderful conversation, and I can't wait to talk to you again. Because, um, you know, I'm coming back at you in a few, in a few months to see what you're doing. So I just want, I want to ask you one thing, um, and thank you for coming on the show. This has been amazing. But if there was one question, David, you would have people ask themselves on a daily basis that want to break through to success, what would that question be? What would you have them ask themselves themselves on a daily basis? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I would have them think a different way. I would say how I like to think of it is, you have a window. You have about, I think of it entirely differently. And, and some people might disagree with this, and it is what it is. I think most people, not, not all, most people have a window of about 15, 20 years to make something happen. They got about 15 or 20 years. And I say that because people get bogged down by other factors in their life as they get older, and they kind of just let it go. So when you're younger, you, 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 you want to kind of go for it because we're only here for, you know, some people will be here for 60 years, 70, 80, 50, 45, right? <laughs> yeah. And I, I would ask people, uh, my whole thing is how long do you think you'll have the opportunity to do this or whatever is in your mind? Because... My whole, my whole thing is I don't think people have as much time as they think they do. Um, so they might as well just go ahead and start operating because you start to understand the mechanics and they'll become, they'll become easier than they think. Um, and it's very systematic. And, like, I just want to touch on this too. That debt I mentioned earlier, when, when my business turned the corner, I paid that debt in like a month month and a half. It was, and it's not like, it's not like, uh, it wasn't a monstrous amount, but it was like 20 grand. And when, you, when you're 20 grand in debt and you have zero and then you pay it off in a month, something's probably getting a little bit different. <laughs> That's says, a, yeah, the, the air, the, the sun, the sun is shining through the clouds a little bit here. <laughs> <laughs> right. So just to, just to give some perspective, because 
for I know for a lot of people that can seem like a lot. Because I think for most people that is. Like Well, it can consume you too if you don't know how you're gonna take care of that because it just grows. Oh, it grows. I mean, you start if you start, you know, missing payments, you can get delinquent and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's, it can seem like you'll never get out because if, if you think about it, if you're working a job, you're probably making, you know, 50000 60000 a year minus taxes. So right. 20000 so really is a nice 20. chunk of change. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's a nice chunk of change. So when you exactly. can say, eh, I'm, I mean, you can tell them, um, we'll go ahead and take care of that today. That's how, that's how I, <laughs> I was like, okay, things must be a little bit different now. <laughs> That's wonderful. This is a good note to, you know, uh, leave here on. And um, I, 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 like I said, it's been a really good conversation with you. This interview has been um, one to remember. And I thank you so much for coming on from Execution to Excellence. And before we leave, tell people where they can find you, Mr. Diamond. Um, you can find me on... Uh, Diamond Cup Media on Instagram, uh, Diamond Cup Media on YouTube. There's a whole bunch of people uh, stealing my trademark. I haven't done anything about it yet. So, um, <laughs> but, um, but uh, those are the two main places. Uh, and, um, yeah, enjoy yourself when you get there. Absolutely. I'm sure they will. I enjoyed myself when I got there. So and I stumbled upon it. So, and that's how we came together. But I'm so happy that we did come together, David. And this has been, like I said, a great interview. Can't wait to catch up with you again in a couple months, you know, just to see what's going on. And I definitely will hit you up when I come out to San Diego. I'm sure I'll be in California sometime this year. It'll probably be a very end of the year. <laughs> but um, we'll definitely hook up and see each other because uh, I, I, I think the world of you. This has been cool. I, absolutely, I'm I'm excited. I hope I hope you come out here sooner than later. No, oh, that's well. We'll see what you know. Rona. With all the Corona, right? <laughs> With all the Corona, you everybody's travel plans right now. Right, right. So, so you know, we'll we'll see. But thank you so much, David, for coming on from Execution to Excellence, and I'm sure everyone will look you up and follow you because you have some really great content. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Definitely, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Thank you, David. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Mr. David Diamond and caught some of those gems he was dropping. You guys can find David Diamond at Diamond Cut Media on Instagram and Diamond Cut Media on YouTube. Please do not forget to subscribe and write us a review on iTunes. Once again, this is Jane Bond from Execution to Excellence, and we'll see you again.